Welcome to State of Being. For those of you listening in for the first time, welcome. My name is Michelle Saya, and the show's main objective is to invite listeners to self-inquire on their values, mindsets, rituals, and habits. Today, I'm so honored to welcome Eleanor Samuelson to the show. Eleanor is the Senior User Experience Designer and founder of Happy Lab, an organization based in Sweden aiming to eradicate mental health disorders among teenagers by detecting early signs of anxiety, depression, and loneliness. We connected through our wonderful friend, Cassandra. Shout out and much love to you, girl. And when I was invited to Eleanor and her friends Natalie's online workshop on how to cocoon and bring more huga, which is the Danish word that roughly translates into coziness into our lives, I couldn't resist. I just had to try the workshop and it was fantastic. So Eleanor, thank you so much for coming onto the show. How are you doing today? Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me. Uh, I, I'm doing really, really well. Um, this COVID-19 phase is uh, really bringing out the best in me. Uh, I feel very energized and very creative. And I'm just like aligning all my energies to help as many people as I can. Um, That's amazing. great. Yeah, I'm super inspired by that. I have to be honest, I haven't been handling COVID as well as you have. (laughs) How do you stay so inspired and motivated during this time of uncertainty? What do you tell yourself? What is that mindset for you to kind of show up every single day and bring your best? I think for me, like I went through a pretty rough fall. And so I was coming into the space from a place of like like stagnation and like feeling very tired and uh, pain because of personal things going on in my life and so before um, this period of like rest and like relaxation happened uh, that we're now given with COVID-19 I started asking myself uh, a lot of deep questions um such as um what is my true inner self and how do i show up to to my life as an uh, authentic being and what is meaning to me uh and thinking about how i can live in a way that makes me feel more alive and more in tune with whoever I am. Uh, So I already had these like questions like going through me. And then I think what happened when um, our country of like Denmark locked down and we were more and more confined into our own home nests was that I finally had the space to breathe and just to be and just to tune into that inner stillness of myself and by doing so, I could feel this like vibrant of curiosity just uh, slowly rise within me. And then I've just been following that inner voice since and just uh, letting go and just surrendering and just not thinking that I'm going to do anything or be productive. But then the irony of that is that 
I'm actually really busy right now and I'm working like 14, 16 hour days, but it's like work of joy and it's like work that really makes me happy. That's incredible, Eleanor. Can you describe that journey of how did you design a lifestyle and a career based around creating happiness and joy? Hmm. Um... Well, for me, it started with the interest in uh, understanding how the true nature of reality works. I've always been very intrigued and fascinated by like the smallest microscopical like levels of atoms and quarks to like the big grand like astronomical uh, interactions between planets and moons and really curious about symmetry and patterns and how how we see so many repeating patterns across multiple entities within our universe uh, that i find it very fascinating of like how some of our human aspects like how our lungs are designed in a similar way as like trees and their tree stems and how they like distribute information and uh, these sort of things. And so as such, I became quite curious about how us humans uh, interact in this world. And uh, I recognized quite early on that, and so I asked myself, well, what is it about human behavior that makes us so ignorant towards the larger impact that we're having on ourselves and those like around us and also the natural systems um, so my interest in well-being and health really comes from the desire to protect ancient ecosystems to protect like forests uh, that have been around for thousands and thousands of years because i really think that that's where we find some of the deepest uh, intelligences on this planet and you could definitely consider a forest a whole complete organism uh, with all its complexities and interactions and so i think by um, giving humans more tools to get in touch with nature and their own inner nature that uh, aligns in a harmonious way with the rest of the world and by rediscovering that aspect of ourselves i think we can live a happier and healthier and more meaningful life that's incredible and have you always um, been thinking this way growing up what was your upbringing like it seems like you are at a point in your life where you're so certain of yourself and you know who you are as a person. Has that been the default just growing up or did it take a journey for you to kind of reach that point a realization? Um, I think it's definitely been a journey, but it's been a journey of unfolding. I think there's always been a seed in me uh who have had these ideas that they have developed through the different uh, types of experiences that i have uh, i grew up moving uh, around quite a lot uh, i was born in singapore and then 
We lived in Melbourne. We lived in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, I had lived on different continents and I was always the person who was in the middle and just like adapting and like adjusting and just being friends with everyone. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the gift of moving around is that you become very attuned to different cultures and different perspectives and like recognizing just because you do something uh, a certain way, it doesn't mean that it necessarily is the right way because there are many viewpoints of how to do this. Um, and then my parents, um, they are also quite kind and beautiful beings. Uh, and then my mom is quite spiritual and um, is Buddhist. Uh, like if you could pick any one philosophy. So I also grew up with this like mentality of being kind to others, doing no harm, like taking care of animals, like treating nature like with respect and uh, being grateful for what you have. And, and then from my father's side, like he's really uh, ambitious and like courageous. And like he has been giving me the gift of just having the faith to just like leap and do the things that, uh, that I might not know how to do, but just try it out. And so I think that's been a very interesting combination um, of how to do things. That's awesome. And can you actually navigate, does this have a relationship with the concept of hoog? Um, can you like describe what that is all about and how you were inspired to integrate the hoog concept into your life and the work that you do? So uh, Hige uh, mm -hmm. is uh, a Scandinavian concept of uh, really being like cozy in your own surroundings. So it could be like when you get home, like lighting candles or like wrapping yourselves in like blankets and really creating that home environment where you feel at ease and you feel safe uh, in. Uh, and I think for me, I am very sensitive to my surroundings. I am very perceptive, I think more than the average person where I quite easily get overstimulated uh, by stimuli. So if there's like too many loud noises or like smells or I, I like having things that like around me being organized because that gives me great sense of peace. Uh, for instance, uh, everything I own fits into two suitcases because I just don't feel the need to have any extra baggage of more than what I uh, love and use in my real life. Um, and then I also see like my home uh, environment as an extension of myself. So I really think about, well, what aspects of my being do I want to accentuate um, through the home that I'm in? And a home could be uh, like the physical place where you live, but a home could also be, for instance, the people that you surround yourself with. Um, or the context that you move between. 
so being mindful in choosing things that don't drain me of energy, but rather things that will elevate me. Um, and sometimes it could also be uh, activating certain areas of life where I feel like I need more attention. Uh, so for instance, I had a friend who told me about this Feng Shui uh, concept called like a Bagua map, mm -hmm. where you can like design your apartment and your room into different areas. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you're supposed to use different like materials and like different colors and different objects that will help you manifest uh, like different ways. And I actually redesigned my room that way. Mm -hmm. And since I, and since I've noticed a dramatical change, like, like I don't know that in the room or if it's because I made other changes in my life, but yeah. uh, now my space just becomes this like daily reflection of the things that are important to me. And I think that's quite like beautiful. And that's the same way you can think about Higya is like, what is it that makes you feel at ease? And what is it that makes you feel comfortable? And then just designing that space for you. Uh, and it doesn't have to be something you're in all the time, but it's important that you can feel a, or, or that you can have a space of rest and just being that you can come back to after you've been in a more active state. Because we know from stress research that if you're in an elevated stress state for more than four hours, it can actually be very harmful for your body. And we also know that like memories start to form and learning happens uh, when you're in a state of rest. So if you want to live a more harmonious life, and also it's all the beautiful experience that you have in your day it's quite important to take the time to just let it sink into the body and not just letting the positive like emotions sink in but also be willing to let go of whatever negative like emotions have like arisen in you because um, otherwise they become stuck in the body so that is kind of what Hygge is to me, like finding that space where you can go through those processes of like rebirth in a very comfortable, nurturing mother's womb nest. That's awesome. And I deeply resonate with everything that you've been saying. Um, Hygge is a concept that I started really applying probably a year ago. So I'm still new to the concept and I realized up till recently, like a couple years back to recently, especially this past year with COVID happening and everything that I'm deeply sensitive as a person. Um, and so when you talked about being able to be perceptive and kind of pick up on things in your environment and how you pick up on stimuli, I feel you and resonate with that on a deep level and since i'm like not currently in my home i constantly notice especially after taking your workshop i've been noticing myself 
being very intentional, whenever I step into the space, I immediately look around and try to create symbolism in the space that I'm in to feel like I am at home with myself. I also wanted to ask you a little bit about Happy Lab, but also your background in just user experience design. It seems to me that user experience design and the concept of hug and being intentional with your space is kind of relational. Can you talk more about that and what inspired you to start Happy Lab? Mm, yeah. Uh, so user experience design is all about interactions. It's uh, thinking about uh, the behavioral patterns of our lives, like thinking about the deeper psychology of like why people do the things that they do, thinking about what kind of needs do people have, what kind of wants do people have, and how can we create products or services that can help people become better versions of themselves uh, and how can we build products that can become like extensions of what people already are capable of um, and so uh, if you think about that in relationship to like Hygge because um, Hygge has a certain like it, like intentionality to it because uh, the intention is cozy ease like feeling home um, but when you're designing you could also have different intentions um, you could for instance uh, design like a part of your day where you want to feel more creative or maybe you want to feel more focused or you want to feel energized or sleepy. So you, you can really think about the whole range of like emotions or like brain states or, e or even like body states. So like the different states of being that you want to be in and then uh, like align your spiritual self, your physical self and mental Self to drop into that state and so Hygge to me is then just a container of like the intention you want to design for um, the reason we started happy lab was a desire to explore ways that we could help uh, evolve consciousness and uh, how we could like give people tools to become more like in tune with their own lives and uh, i was giving a talk on how to design for happiness within a city a city environment uh using uh, smart technology uh using sensory design like using gamification within the urban landscape to trigger positive uh, like behavior and like trigger well-being because uh, there's quite little we have done within the urban space to do so mm -hmm. uh, but during that talk there was one person sitting in the audience who was starting up uh, Sweden's new uh, innovation lab for preventative mental health who came up to me afterwards and and said that 
for the southern part of Sweden, they are really thinking about how you can create preventative measures for children and adolescents. And he was really curious to see how I could contribute to that and what I could get involved with to do. And so we started thinking about, well, what would preventative mental health be uh, like for kids? And uh, pretty soon we realized that one of the spaces that children actually spend quite a lot of time in uh, is the school environment. And so we knew that we wanted to do some sort of intervention uh, within the school environment that could have an effect to prevent that kids have um, severe cases of like anxiety and like depression uh, early or, or later on in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also found that um, 50% of mental disorders uh, appear before the age of 14 which is quite early. And then uh, two thirds of mental disorders um, appear before the age of 23. So you really have like a big opportunity there to work with the younger population um, to prevent larger societal costs and like suffering that are due to like depression and anxiety and other mental disorders later on. Uh, we started out thinking we wanted to work with biohacking, so how we could use technology to quantify the self and to use that in a gamified way to better understand your body. Because if you have a device, like whether it's your phone that will tell you like about your screen time, or maybe it's a ring that will tell you about your sleep patterns, or um, a bracelet that tells you how many steps that you've walked, uh, it becomes a more tangible way for you to relate to your own body and like well-being. Um, but then quite quickly realize that not everyone can like afford these types of technologies, and we wanted to create something that would be available for everyone. And the more we started doing workshops. Uh, with the children which would be 14 year olds we also realized that quite a lot of them suffered from performance anxiety because of the external uh, senses of like success that society puts on children very early on Uh, so then that becomes drivers of how children are formed Um, And so with that, we decided that we wanted to collaborate with psychologists and scientists in how we can create learning tools for like children um, that would both like facilitate for the teacher to create more interactive classes. Uh, So looking into how you can bring in more mindfulness, looking into how you can design uh, education to cater to all types of intelligences and not just the rational, logical mind, but also looking into how can you support like 
movement and like kinesthetic like intelligence or uh, intelligence for language or interrelational like intelligence and thinking about different ways to structure lectures so that everyone can feel like they can uh, they can excel in uh, like something and while doing that also looking into how we can spot early signs of uh, anxiety, depression, and like loneliness so that um, the situation doesn't have to get so severe, but you can get help earlier on and then hopefully like get out of it quicker. And then a big aspect of this was to uh, as well teach tools of how you can get in touch with your like emotional body and being comfortable to stay with feelings and like emotions that are a bit scary or that might be a bit painful. Um, Cause I see quite a big of trend of people who uh, escape to other things uh, either by consumption or by occupying their like attention in different ways so they don't have to be with that icky pain they feel in their body. But if you don't feel it, then it's going to get internalized. And then that's going to build up like block by block by block uh, until your body becomes so loud that you can't, can't ignore it anymore. Um, and so we also wanted to teach those tools. And uh, so far, we've gotten a really good response. Like, the kids love having us there. And we've been asked if we can get more, like, involved on, like, TikTok because that's where <laughs> they hang out. <laughs> they even called me old ones because I was on Facebook because only old people are on Facebook. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, man, I feel slightly offended. <laughs> Oh gosh. Um, that's so funny. And yeah, why not like let TikTok be a tool where you can help people ease their anxiety, depression, and loneliness, especially at this time when we're all self-quarantining. Um, you mentioned, we were chatting a little bit before we recorded this uh, podcast show on what you're currently doing now during COVID and having the EU back you up. Like that's super exciting. Can you uh, talk to us a little bit more about what you're working on right now. Yes. So uh, since uh, three weeks back, I am working on an app to help victims of domestic violence um, because domestic violence is really a big shadow pandemic uh, that is like arising uh, alongside uh, the COVID-19 like crisis. Uh, and so we are hacking together an application where governments and health organizations can unite into one platform to help victims of, uh, of abuse so they don't have to search for help in multiple and fragmented locations and where they can get the information that they need uh, and also the uh, emotional or by speaking to psychologists or getting in touch with lawyers who are actually trained 
uh, in the subject and not just getting a random lawyer that might be allocated to you. Uh, looking into multiple ways you could contact like authorities such as the police because if you're inside um, an apartment with your abuser then you might not be able to call the police if things get quite severe so looking at different ways you can reach out to, uh, to authorities and then the main function of the app is to report um, and document incidents of abuse, um, both for your own sake, uh, in case something happens uh, and you do decide that you want to take it to court, but it could also be um, to just raise uh, like awareness about this issue so we actually get the actual numbers. Because right now there's less than 40% of like women who actually uh, like report abuse and so as such there is not um, the accurate amount of resources being allocated to this issue mm -hmm. uh, and so a few days ago we actually won the eu versus virus hackathon which is the world's biggest hackathon that has been done on covid19 um, where yeah it's, it's so <laughs> congratulations <cool>. <laughs> that's incredible yeah yeah so now we're gonna be part of the european union's uh, innovation team uh for how we can and together and also partner corporations and organizations work uh, across the eu to save lives uh during this covid19 crisis and uh, we had our first meeting with them yesterday uh, where we got our briefing and then in a week's time we're going to be matched up uh, with like the different partners that we're going to work with so that's uh, super exciting <laughs> that is incredible and thank you so much for doing that work especially at this time it's so needed and for being a part of that and just making the world a better place especially at this time thank you so much eleanor that's incredible. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you, and this is a very, it's a much deeper question. And what is ultimately the legacy that you want to leave behind in this world? What do you want to be remembered for? Hmm, that's a very beautiful question. Um, I think what matters most to me uh, is the mark that I leave on individual people. So mm -hmm. making people feel important, making people feel loved and like they're seen and like they matter uh, in this lifetime. Because um, I think I view myself as an extension of like the rest of the world and the, the rest of the community. Um, so I would hope that my legacy is to spread love on like both a small and a larger scale. Um, one of my goals in life is to just be love because I, because I don't think love is something that you do. I think love is something that you are and, uh, by, identifying more with the love in ourselves, I think we can also activate love as 
an operating system for other people as well. Uh, and right now I'm also very interested in uh, altruism and how to build technology for altruism and kindness. Um, where we're looking quite a lot at what are different patterns in nature that brings about cooperation and collaboration and sharing of resources and also patterns that uh, brings about unity and respect for all life. So that is also something I see myself working with for the rest of my life. And then this might take different forms because there's one way to do this. Um, but I think today the state of technology is very, is not so much about that aspect. It's more designed to hijack our like attention spans. And I think technology can be used for something so much more greater uh, than that. This is definitely a left field kind of question, but the last sentiment that you express, I think of social media as definitely taking our attention. Since you are a you know, user experience designer, if you could have the power to change how social media is used, let's say with like Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, what would you propose like right off the bat? What is the next first step that we can take to be more mindful of protecting our attention span? Hmm. Um, one of the first things that came to mind would be to encourage us to have deeper relationships uh, rather than having many shallow relationships and shallow interactions, which a like would be or like adding multiple friends or having multiple followers, but focusing more on how can we use technology to develop real and true like uh, like authentic relationships mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily need to be with everyone that you know like it could be with strangers too um but teaching us more about which questions can we ask to like explore ourselves better and in our interactions with others how can we build technologies that would make us feel comfortable to explore our vulnerabilities and our fears rather than hiding them behind perfect filters uh, and using technology to make us more human. I would al uh, also build technology that was designed more around our natural biorhythms. So thinking about what different needs we have during this uh, different aspects of the day. Uh, so rather than trying to grab our attention at all times, like giving us supporting nudges or information, like when we need it. Um, for instance, like one thing that I've been wanting for a while is like design this interface between our digital devices and our physical spaces. So I would love to have, for instance, an 
uh, alarm clock that is this like Tibetan gong so I can wake up to vibrations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be so happy. cool. That yeah, would be a thing. <laughs> Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that would be so great. Or, or just having the environment around me not necessarily be smarter because I, I, I think there's a beauty in having things be quite analog, but like removing screens, like removing these traces of like technology, uh, but rather using different ways of like support. Like if it's maybe through wearables or maybe going even back to like, you know, old school phones, <laughs> like these things um and have things a little bit less driven by the data trying to figure out how i behave and use more my behavior to give me services that i need mm -hmm. um, yeah. and i think there's so much that can be done there and really focusing on giving us back our own attention. Yeah, I feel a certain type of way when we're moving into a society where our attention is like the new currency and like you see it in the news, you see it in politics, you it's it's everywhere. And sometimes even I feel overwhelmed where I think over time my attention span is that of a goldfish. Like, I mm. feel that way. And so, like, for me, what I try to do is I set a schedule. It's like a, I kind of self-discipline. It's like only use social media at this time. Like, treat it as part of your schedule and don't mindlessly do it. Like, set the intentions. Like, I will dedicate 10 minutes at this time this day and like that's it and check in later and easier said than done because like social media platforms are highly addicting especially instagram um mm. and i had to force myself to uh, deactivate my account like the last four to five days just to take a break from instagram because i was just so overwhelmed at content um but yeah, like I agree with everything that you're saying. If we can find a way to slowly shift social media platforms and usage back to keeping our attention and using it more to help other people and focus more on mental health, I think that would be such a game changer. And it, it would really just make the world a much better place. Um, my question to I you is... I think we also yeah. need to think about like why we use social media um because there's no harm in using it like for instance i have trained my algorithms to only give me like cute animals on uh, on instagram <laughs> so that's, that's awesome like what i get in my feed which is like <laughs> great which like makes me happy yeah um but we have to make sure that we're not surrounding ourselves by things that distracts us from living in the present moment because that's really what life is all about like being fully uh, like immersed and present in whatever we do mm -hmm. and then one can ask oneself if scrolling through an instagram feed is how we want to spend our lives or if there are 
other ways that we can explore our own talents and our own understanding of the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And if we can sum up joy into like a first step for someone that might not be in a state of joy right now, what is the first step that they can take where it doesn't require money, it doesn't require a change of space if they don't have the luxury of it because we're currently in self-quarantine? What is like one piece of advice that you can give to that person to at least help them take that next first step into being in a state of more joy? Mm. It's funny you ask that question because I was actually having a conversation yesterday with one of my dear friends um, about this uh, mm-hmm. because he is in a state now that is quite tough and quite challenging and this corona crisis has kind of made him question every aspect of his life and if his life is even meaningful anymore and he's feeling quite low and like depressed and uh, my advice to him was to think about if he loves himself and i also gave him this exercise that we're going to do together where um, we're going to sit in pairs and uh, one person will get two minutes Mm -hmm. to speak about everything that they love about themselves And then the other person uh, gets to listen. And then for one minute, the other person will like repeat what you heard uh, the first person say uh, about what they love about themselves. Uh, And then the first person gets to share again for another two minutes what they love about themselves. Mm -hmm. And the second person gets to listen and then they will for one minute repeat back what they heard the first person say and then the first person gets to share once more two minutes what they love about themselves and then the second person gets to share because then when you get Mm -hmm. to the second or third round Mm -hmm. you don't really have the standard things left anymore that you tell yourself but you really need to start thinking and you really needs to like get in touch with yourself, like Mm -hmm. uh, about what it is that you love. And it's also quite beautiful to hear back from the other person what they heard you say. And uh, the exercise sounds very simple, but it's actually quite deep and like meaningful and brings uh, very beautiful interactions. Uh, Mm -hmm. Another thing that I would recommend doing is... um, thinking about your inner core as light. So uh, in the morning, I do this uh, heart light meditation, uh, as I call it. Uh, Like, I don't know if it has like an actual name, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I will lie down in my bed and then I will place both my hands on my heart or I will have one heart on my belly and one uh, hand on my heart. Uh, And then I will breathe in light through my nose and then I will bring it down into my heart space and then I will just breathe out darkness from my heart space and then just keep on like breathing in light breathing out darkness and then just filling my heart with light 
until it becomes so big and so intense that I actually need to move out my hands slowly and then feeling that ball of light uh, emerging between my hands and my heart space. And then I will just move it out further and further. And when I feel like my whole being is filled of light and love, then I will release that uh, into the world. And I think that's also a very beautiful exercise to do because Mm -hmm. then you get to uh, experience yourself in an energetic form. Uh, And uh, with some practice after some time, you might also feel this light as vibration. So you can feel physical sensations of like vibrations through your body and I've had these like ex- uh, like experiences where sometimes you even feel yourself levitating um which is also yeah. quite quite uh, a nice way to start your morning <laughs> that's incredible it's insane because I didn't realize that there was a name to it I do the exact same thing, but I do it at nighttime before I go to bed. Like you do it in the morning. I do it at (laughs) night. Um, I'm I'm like a nighttime owl. um, Mm. And especially like when I see the moon and the stars, if I can face outwards, like to the sky or outside of a window, I feel more connected to like light and shadow and myself. Um, but yeah, it's a weird sensation where it does kind of feel like you're levitating. I don't mm. know how that works, but it's <laughs> such a weird and fascinating out-of-body experience. And sometimes the feeling of having so much light in your body, it's so overwhelming. It, I don't know if you've experienced this. It brings you to tears. It's mm. just so much joy and happiness and light. Like your body can't possibly contain it. So it's like your tears are leaking out light and <laughs> happiness. Like you're <laughs> literally overflowing into like a physical sensory like sensation. Um, but thank, yeah. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Like that's incredible. And I love the exercise in which you like are doing with your friend about sharing things that you love about yourself. I think that's so important, like, especially at this time. And I'm Mm. also guilty of it. Sometimes we forget to remind ourselves what we love about ourselves. And like, Mm. it really can, like, we look around when we haven't done it in a while. And I think it, at least to me, it makes me question my own confidence sometimes. And then I'm reminded, it's like, oh, there's this thing about me that I do that I actually appreciate. Like, and then I get back to doing more of those things that like bring me joy. So thank you for reminding us of that. Um, That's something I'm definitely going to share with the audience and group. And for people that are scared to take the leap and build something that brings them joy. This is kind of like taking that joy and taking the next step further and like executing upon it. You've built so many incredible projects and organizations and delivered talks and you're constantly innovating on helping people, you know, incorporate more happiness and coziness into their lives for other people that you know, are still scared to take the leap and build something of their own, like set an intention, apply, what advice would you give them to give them more courage 
to move forward with their dreams? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, the greatest strength ha has been to detach myself from my physical body and not viewing myself as an individual or like a person or and more viewing myself as like this vessel where you can have a flow of energy just come through uh so seeing myself more as like a vehicle through which the potentiality of like experiences can happen and so my job is really just to have my antennas out and then just be open to things around me and then also just to be like paying attention to whatever sensory feelings I have in my body when I'm presented with different uh, ideas or opportunities and getting to know myself to the extent that when I really feel that, yes, this is something I want to do. And most often I, I actually feel that as a vibration in my heart, which is quite beautiful. Uh, or, it, it, or if I'm presented with something I don't want to do, I feel it like a lump in my stomach. So learning to pay attention to your own body and your own cues to know when you should be saying yes to things and know when you should be saying no, I think is one of the first steps. And then the other thing I would say is really to just have faith because you can never plan out what your life is going to be. Like you are by no means in control of your life. And so I think the sooner one realizes that, the sooner you can just let go of any expectations of how things are going to turn out or any like uh, attachment to, oh, maybe we will get this or we won't. Or if I fail at this, then this will go wrong or this will disappear or this is what others will think about me. But rather just to, yeah, just go with the flow and just mm -hmm. follow whatever river that brings you joy and just makes you more excited about life and i would also say to uh, align that river with something that you can do that would benefit your community because you're not an isolated island like you are in connected to everything around you so i think it's uh, in, very important that everything you do should have the intention of uh, alleviating suffering for yourself or others or something that can just spread great kindness into the world and being mindful of how you spend that time uh, there's actually this like Japanese concept called ikigai I love um, ikigai yes yeah. <laughs> can you please talk about it what does it mean to our audience that are hearing it for the first time yeah, so Ikigai is this roadmap of how you live a meaningful life. And so 
it asks you to think about um, what you love doing, uh, what you are good at. Um, I think one is also what you can make a living out of, uh, but correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and then the fourth one is, um, I don't fully remember, but uh, it, it's a really great map of just mm -hmm. thinking about the different aspects of your life in mm -hmm. a way that completely redefines like success and helps you to connect to your inner self. Uh, and maybe you can fill in the gaps that <laughs> sure you're absolutely correct i it's you're right on the dot i if i had to add an extension to that yeah just like you said it's like combining the different aspects of like what does the world want what do you find brings you the greatest joy and fulfillment what is something that can also you know help sustain your living um, all of like those aspects. I think there's also one more that I'm also not remembering, but it's like finding the one thing that meets all of those four sweet spots. And it brings you into like a deep questioning mode. It helps you like inquire all of these deeper questions and get further and further down to like the root core of what you find important and actually being able to make a living out of it like how you've done with you know your life and your career it's so beautiful and magnificent to witness you you know finding something that brings you so much meaning but also brings so much joy and meaning in other people's lives so Eleanor my one last question to you is how would you define your ultimate state of being hmm the big question the big question. Um, I would define my ultimate state of being as a continuum. Uh, I view myself uh, as an energy uh, that is kind of like a core relaxation of awareness, uh, like this just ever being stillness. Uh, and it's an energy that I've come to get to know through my meditations. Uh, and I know that this energy is at the core of who I really am. And it's like returning back to this quality of like love or gratitude, which I feel are very high frequencies. And disembodying like the sense of the who or the sense of identity like as I was speaking about before and knowing that this internal state of being is uh, immortal and since it is like uh, like immortal there is no need for any fear because fear is ultimately a fear of death and if we're not scared of our own death because we know that death is just a transformation, uh, like sort of what we did with the cocooning process is like death is just the chrysalis of morphing into something else. So when you die, you will morph into another energetic form. Um, 
I would say that is my state of being. And I view the state of being as a field of endless opportunities and possibilities that can like arise. And then it's up to me to be present enough and also choose from my heart space because I'm finding at least for myself that it's my heart that carries the most intelligence um, when it comes to making choices and like decisions. And so choosing from a, from a place in, in the heart that then aligns to this greater, deeper state of being. If that made any sense. <laughs> no, it, it's so profound and I really have to sit with it. And the last thing that you said about how your heart can be the most intelligent thing that you have possessed is like, it's such a truth bomb. Like it's like, it, that should be a tweetable. That should be a mantra. Um, because I feel that sometimes I don't have the confidence to trust my heart and to know that it is intelligent in its own way, even when you don't fully understand it, but to trust its intelligence is a beautiful thing. It's definitely something that leaves a lot of food for thought. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that, Eleanor. It's so beautiful the way you painted that picture. For those of you that are fascinated by your story and where to find you, where can they, where can they find you to learn more about what you do? Um, I think it depends on what aspect of what I do that sure. uh, you want to get like in, uh, involved with. Um, mm -hmm. We have a great group of volunteers that are helping us out pro bono. And I mean, we're also working pro bono just to get mm -hmm. it out. Uh, so then you could go to rightact.org, which is our website. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me personally, then I would say go to my Instagram, mm -hmm. uh, Eleanor Samuelson, uh, and either write me a message there or like follow me or whatever you want to do. Um, I think those are the two best ways. Awesome. I'll definitely include those resources in the show notes. And again, Eleanor, Thank you so much for being on the show. You're such a light to the world. Continue doing what you're doing. We're all super inspired by you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Michelle, <laughs> for having me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely.